So Gaten is made up of a lot of different parts, but we are singular in our mission and we are unified as one body, brothers and sisters serving and worshiping God. That's why we've gathered this morning. We're excited you're here. My name is Mike Bailey. I'm the lead pastor here at Gaten. And uh, we are coming to the end of January. How many of you have maintained your resolutions so far for this year? How many have already fallen off on your resolutions? How many of you don't want to admit it? How many of you hate it when I ask you to raise your hand? <laughs> All right, yeah, see, so you raised your hand anyway. Ha, ha, ha. So, Vision 2025, five years. We want to make a strong commitment moving forward. If you're a guest this morning, the last uh, four weeks we've been, or last three weeks leading into this Sunday, we've been talking about being uh, committed as a church to gather large, where we gather and we worship and we sing praises to God and we look at his word and we, we, we take time to give back and, and to be uh, faithful with our offerings to him. And just this opportunity to gather in a group as a family and just have a great time of worship together. And that we want to invite every person, no matter who they are, what their background is, what they believe, we want to invite them to this gathering place um, because we believe the most important thing for anyone is to know Christ as their Savior and to, to understand that, that love that he has, uh, that he sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins, that we may have eternal life and hope. And so that's the vision, that we will be disciples who make disciples of all generations. We are resolute as a church. As leaders, we've prayed about this. We have um, talked about this. We have uh, brainstormed and, and asked God to give us wisdom in this. And so we want to be resolute as we move through this vision 2025. So we are committed to gathering large. And we are committed to connecting small where you're in a circle and, and maybe it's a, a class here at the church or maybe it's at Panera or Chick-fil-A where it's your home. But you're getting to know someone more than just their face but their name, their story, their hurts and their excitements, all the things that's happening in their lives you want to participate in. And we want to build that kind of community. Not a superficial, hey, I see you on Sunday, but I know your kids, I know your parents, I know what you're struggling with because I love you, I care for you, and I believe God put me on earth to be in relationship with him and you. And so we want to cultivate that and we want to build that. And we are committed as we go over this year and the next five years. And as long as we're here to cultivate a circle type relationship where you can build deep relationships uh, together. And then even in the circle, having a champion relationship where you uh, can have a mentor or, or mentor someone else in their faith. And have a place where you can connect, where you can invite your friends uh, to things that, that are fun and exciting, missional, um, and just a place to belong and, and to be a part of. And so we've looked at all these things. Last week we looked at the, the, the idea or the concept of uh, what kind of culture are we cultivating, what kind of culture is Gaten, where would we like to see that culture go over the next five years. And one of the things I shared with you, the why for Gaten, what does it stand for? The why represents you, your family, your friends, your neighbors, all the people that you interact with. We want a, a culture that values your voice, that, that cares about you, cares about your needs, um, listens when you say, this is what we see as the problem in our area. This is what we feel that the church should be engaged with. This is where uh, we see a need in our own community, and we want to be impacting uh, Short Pump in the West End so that, that they will thank God that we exist because we're reaching and, meet, and, and meeting needs in our own community. And so one way that we're resolute in doing this, one way that we have made a resolution to move forward that your voice matters is our most high level of leadership in our church, what we call our SLC, our Servant Leadership Council, has worked with our staff to come up with a survey 
that you can check out and you can be a part. You can add your voice into what we're doing here. And so if you want to go there today, this is an action Sunday. So you're going to be given some actions that you can take to participate in what we're doing here at Gaten. And so you can go to gaten.church survey. You can fill out that survey. We do have some physical copies here because we value you. Everyone in this room should feel welcomed. Everyone in this room should feel like they are a brother, a sister, that this is a family. Whether this is your first visit or you've been here for, for 20 or 30 years, that this is your home. You feel valued and encouraged. And that is part of what Vision 2025 is all about. Is that as me being a disciple and you being a disciple, we make disciples of all generations. That all generations, all people feel welcomed, encouraged, and supported here. And so we're resolute in that. But the question and the calling for all of us is will we all commit to be resolute? Will all of us here say, I'm ready to move forward, to gather large, to connect small, to be in a place where I can connect in a missional social place where I can invite friends and family, where I can be in a circle and look face to face with someone and talk about my life and talk about what's going on in their life and, and carry on the burden and be able to share my burdens with and, and to look to God's word and to see how that applies to me and to them. To have a champion relationship where I'm speaking into someone's life and encouraging them and, and helping them as they make decisions or where I'm speaking to someone who's helping me as I navigate life. And I look to make those decisions. And as we are on mission as a church locally, nationally, and around the world, that, that, that we live into this vision and that we all have a resolution, we have a resolute heart that all the things we've been put on earth to do, this becomes our, a priority. This becomes uh, wherever God has gifted me, I'm going to use this for your glory. And you've placed me here at this time, and so I want to live that out to the best of my ability. And so that's what we're going to ask God to speak to us through. This is an action Sunday, so we are going to be looking how God's already moving, what he's doing, what we can be excited about, and how you can get on board and be a part of this. No matter who you are, whether this is your first visit or not, um, you can join in as we move together on mission to be disciples who make disciples of all generations. So before I look at God's word, let's precede it with prayer and ask him to speak to our hearts. Father God. You are awesome. And Lord, just singing those songs and thinking about your majesty, thinking about your love, thinking about the eternal nature of, of you and us and how we are headed to meeting you. And Lord, we just ask that as we prepare for that moment of your return, prepare for that moment of eternal um, existence in your kingdom, that Lord, your will would be done today in our hearts and our lives, that we would begin to reflect that in our decisions and in, our, in, in all the things that we do. And Lord, we just ask right now that you would fill us, that you would speak to us, that you would fill us with spiritual nourishment, um, that we would understand and that we would have clarity. And Lord, that you would begin to stir a, a passion within us. And Lord, that we begin to see our family, see our school, see our business and, and see our, our, our neighbors the way you see them and have a love and a desire to bring hope and truth and grace and the gospel to everyone that we have connection with. Lord, I pray as we discuss this and, and as we hear testimonies and 
as we listen to how you're working and where you're calling us. And, and Lord, as we think and consider, are we ready to be resolute, uh, to commit to this vision uh, as we desire to be filled with your spirit so we can be overflowing? Uh, Lord, we ask that you would bless it with your presence, that it would be about you, that we would grow smaller, you would grow larger. And Lord, that we would truly understand the nature of life, truly understand who you are. So that we can truly worship you. And Lord, that it be, doesn't become a side thing, but becomes a total thing in who and what we do. Lord, I pray as we talk about this, there's distractions. There's things that pull us away. There are things that um, deceive us. And also, Lord, that, that, that um, challenge us. And I pray you'd protect us. Protect our thoughts. Protect our motives. Um, protect us as we journey together. And Lord, give us a passion. Stir within us a, a new heart every day to know you and to follow you and to worship you just a little bit more every moment, every minute, every day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at two places in Scripture. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10 and Acts chapter 6. Uh, I believe they connect well and it's leading us to uh, something I, I get to do every year that is very exciting and very encouraging to me as we ordain deacons this morning. Uh, but as we go there, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 is in the New Testament. This was a book written to the Hebrew people. These were people that received Christ as their Savior. They saw him as Messiah. They believed in him and what he had done for them on the cross and his resurrection. And they were living this out. They had started a church. And um, that church, like all churches, have had issues. We have issues. Churches have issues. That's the challenge of church. Because when you're on mission and you bring everyone together, there's always going to be challenges. But the author of Hebrews wanted to uh, clarify the mission and make sure that we were all on the same page, whether it was the church from 2,000 years ago or the church for today. And so there's inspiring words for us right now that we can read and can motivate us. And it can be a place of, of reflection and also see that we can relate to the church and all the churches that have preceded us and also see our place in the history of all churches. And so Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says this. And let us consider, let us think about, that word consider, let's, let's ponder, let's use our brains, let's come up with ideas, how we may spur, how we may encourage, how we may motivate, how we may challenge each other, one another, on, toward, what? Love and good deeds. And so here's how it reads. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's think about, let's dream about, how can I promote uh, love and good deeds in your life? How can I encourage you to be a disciple who makes disciples of all generations? How can I encourage you that God created you specifically with specific gifts to use as part of his church, the world church, to expand the church and to bring this hope to new people and to bring life and love and goodness to the world? How can we encourage each other all the more as we begin a new year, as we begin a vision over five years, as we think of our lives in totality? How can we encourage each other? How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? How can we encourage each other to love and good deeds, living out this calling that God has put on our lives? Because it doesn't come naturally, right? Naturally, I shift to selfishness. Naturally, I begin to think about my wants and desires and needs, and I move away from the desires and needs of people around me. I tend to be blind 
to the hurts and pain of the world around me and very in tune to my own hurts and my own frustrations. And I have to be encouraged, and I think we have to be encouraged on a regular basis to be spurred, and sometimes spurring is challenging and isn't comfortable, but to be spurred to be reminded of there is so much that God wants us to do in his name for his glory as we are being disciples who make disciples of all generations. And so the verse continues, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Their lives were busy. Their lives had lots of things that were going on where they would pull them from this commitment to this mission of being disciples who make disciples of all generations. They were being pulled away. And so in their gathers, they would have issues because people wouldn't show up to the gathers or people wouldn't show up to the circles. It, it wasn't necessarily a priority in their life. And so here the author of Hebrews is writing, even 2,000 years ago, it was tough. It was tough to make this a priority. And I get that, and we get that. Life is not slowing down. But are we resolute? Are we resolute in what we truly believe our lives are for? And so it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another. You don't need to be guilted. You don't need to be shamed. You need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged to remind myself of how important and life-giving this is, how much this builds into my relationships in all areas, whether it's my marriage, my kids, my work, that this gives life to that. Being here in this gathering, being in a circle, having a champion in my life that helps me gives life. And I need to be encouraged to remind myself on a regular basis And all the more as you see the day approaching, the author gives a timetable here. The author gives an urgency because um, the question becomes, how many more hours do you have in life? How many more days do you have in life? How many more years do you have in life? How do you plan to spend those? Are those valuable? And if so, if they're valuable, what is the most valuable thing you can commit yourself to? What is the most valuable thing you can be resolute about? God's word offers us a place to commit our lives, to commit our minutes and our days and our hours and our weeks and our months and our years, that we can have a resolution within our hearts that we are investing in something that is eternal, something that will never end, something that will bring benefit to everyone in our life. And he's calling us to that mission. And we've condensed that to this idea that if I can be a disciple who makes disciples of all generations, then I will have lived out my purpose on planet earth. You will have lived out your purpose on planet earth. And so are you resolute? Are you committed? Are the distractions pulling you away? Are you committed to maintain the course that God has given you, or maybe you need to start that course today because you sense him calling. This is not something I can talk you into either. This is the Holy Spirit of God speaking into our hearts, speaking into our minds and saying, yes, I love you, and yes, I want uh, to walk in your life with you, and yes, I have many things that I want to do through you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the God who created everything created you with a purpose, and he wants to do things through you, that he wants to fill you, so that you can overflow into the world around you? Do you really believe that? Are you resolute in that this morning? Because that's the option. That is the offering. That is the potential for all of us. And so that leads to Acts chapter 6. And this morning we get to do a really awesome thing. 
We get to see those who've committed. They've been resolute in their calling, not only to God, but to the fact that God put them here at Gaten, and they want to serve here. And we build all of this, this idea of deacons and this idea of serving and what our purpose is and our mission is based on God's word. And we get it here in Acts chapter 6. Um, it'll be on the screen or you can follow along if you have it there in front of you. Acts 6, 1 through 5. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the, the Hebraic Jews, sorry, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. There was a problem. There was a division of racial backing. These widows were being dealt with. These weren't. There was an oversight. Um, there was a discrimination. There was a problem in the church. The church was on mission at this time to make disciples, to be disciples. And they were trying to engage all generations, what meant every culture, every group of people. And yet they were missing this group. And it was a very vulnerable group. It was these widows who needed this help. The church, they, they needed the church. And so here was the resolution. So the 12 gathered all disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now that sounds rough, right? That sounds like, whoa, what a statement. But the truth of what they're saying is, it wouldn't be right for us to get off path of the mission God has given us. And it is a very clear mission to be disciples, to make disciples of all generations. And we have this issue, and we don't want to close our eyes to this issue. We don't want to neglect this issue. And so they came up with a plan. They said, we can't fix this problem alone. We are going to need help. And so brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of wisdom. Spirit and wisdom. And so they said, let's find seven individuals that have good character, that have wisdom, that we can empower to do this thing that is part of the mission. It's part of the mission because they need to serve all generations. They need to love and do good deeds and support the widows. But these leaders knew that God had called them directly into the lane of teaching and prayer. And so they said, we are not going to lose sight of the mission. The mission is to be disciples and make disciples of all generations. But we need the help of everyone. It can't just be the few. And so everyone needs to engage. And this is where all of us need to engage. That you specifically have a role here at Gaten that God has planted you here to do. And in the case of the, this church, there were seven individuals that God had worked in their hearts and their lives to establish them as the deacons, those that would take on the responsibility so that the mission could be advanced, so the vision could be fulfilled. And so they selected seven individuals of character. And what did it result in? We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. And what does it say in the end? The proposal pleased the whole group. The whole body was encouraged. The whole body was, was excited because they could keep moving forward on the mission and they could expand the mission and now have new opportunities for new people to serve within the mission. 2,000 years later, we live into this. This decision made still lives on today. At Gaten, we have 18 deacons that serve the church behind the scenes. They live out Acts 6. They are the ones doing a lot of things you don't see. They are serving in a capacity that allows us to be disciples, who make disciples of all generations. These deacons allow us to gather large, to connect small. 
They allow us to have connection points and champions. Because of these deacons, we are able to move forward in the mission that God has given this church. And our 18 deacons, those who are returning this year, deaconship is a three-year term. Out of those returning, we have Charlene Hollins, Jamie Call, Kendra Brummett, Becky Tyson, Mary Bush, Don Kaminsik, Richard Martin, John Dennis, Mary Beth Essex, Angela House, Brian McCarter, and Gary Robertson, and Clay Tompkins. These are those that have committed things you, that you don't even see, but they get done. We have a compassion ministry that the deacons do. They take food and they visit those that are in the hospital, those that are in home care that that cannot uh, get to the church or cannot get out of their house and and they need someone to come visit them. Um, We have a group of deacons that regularly is ministering to people that are part of our church and people that are connected to our church through friendships and family relationships. We have an ordination part of being a deacon. Uh, Once a month, you're going to see our deacons in the back and they will be administering communion. That is an ordinance. It's something Jesus told us. We got to do this so that we don't forget, so we remember. So we have an ordinance of doing that from Jesus, and our deacons are the ones who help support and run that ministry of our church. Uh, Whenever you see a baptism, the deacons are behind the scenes helping the person uh, get up to the baptismal, having towels and a change of clothes and and orientation for how our baptism uh, works here. And so they are a major part of all baptisms and communion. Uh, Ministry support. They will set up chairs. They will take down chairs. They will turn on lights and turn off lights. They will lock doors. They will walk the halls because they understand this is a vital part of us being able to promote and and continue our mission of being disciples who make disciples of all generations. They're part of our guest ministry. They help in the morning with coffee in different areas of the church. And on Wednesday night, they help with dinner table because they are here to serve the church so that we can move forward and be on mission together. And also there's a prayer ministry that occurs through the deacons where they're praying for you individually. They're praying for us as a church. They're coming up with new ways, initiatives for how we can be effective in our prayers, how we can be committed to prayers. And so we're so excited and we're so thankful for all they do. In our new cycle, we have two deacons that are coming on that won't be ordained because they've previously been ordained, Jeff Connor and Mitch Billingsley, and we're excited to have them back on as deacons. And this morning, if you're new to church or or you haven't been in, in this sort of tradition, One of the callings we have when someone commits and says, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be part of the mission. I feel like deaconship is where I'm called. And then the church as a whole says, these are the people we feel have the character that reflects this position of deaconship. They get elected into these positions. And the three deacons that I'm going to introduce to you this morning, I personally can account and attest for the fact that they are high character. They reflect Christ. They are humble. They are loving And they are servants to their core. And I am so grateful that they have been willing to answer the call to being a deacon. And so I'm going to invite Joe Melizia, Rick Hollowell, and Diana Rogers to come to the front. 